Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance, and for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Hello and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming and helping you, our listeners, knowing and impacting the world around us. Uh, and as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Uh, if you like, you can follow us on our social media uh, we are at the Zero Network on Facebook, on Twitter. The show handle is Zero Radio at Zero Radio, um, and also I'm there uh, on Twitter at Lorenzo T Neal, and on Facebook Dr. Lorenzo T Neal. Follow me all over social media. Listen to this podcast on every podcast platform. And if you would be so kind, we want to invite you to join us by becoming a, a patron on patreon.com slash Lorenzo Tineo. That's how you can help support the show. That's how you can listen to the show. Um, we appreciate you so much. There's a lot that I want to get into this morning. And, um, you know, it is, this world is crazy, crazy, crazy. We've got, we've had a lot going on with political, uh, on the political side with key uh, governor races being won or, I guess, called, uh, one specifically in the state of Virginia, where history was made, and uh, but let me put it this way, uh, the first black female governor, lieutenant governor of Virginia in its entire history was elected on this past Tuesday, uh, Lieutenant Governor-elect uh, Winsome Sears made a history. I mean history. And very little few people are hearing about it. Why are they not hearing about it? That is the question. Why are they not hearing about this historic win? It's because she just happens to be in the wrong demographic uh when it comes to political affiliation. She is a Republican. And because she is a Republican, she's not being celebrated. Now, there were some other historic wins. Um, an Asian was elected 
as the mayor of Boston. Several Asians were elected to the New York City Council, as well as uh, New York elected its second black mayor. And he was not heralded either because he is also a Republican. Or had conservative Republican ticket. I don't know exactly. It's just, it's crazy. Now, I, I, I make it no secret where I hide on the, where I lie on the political spectrum. But I celebrate historical events. I don't care, you know, especially when it comes to black people. You know, we, we're crying that we're not making history. We're crying that we're not being recognized. But we're also finding out that there's a great discrepancy in uh, dissonance between those cries when it's not, <laughs> if you're not part of the right political affiliation. And that's sad. It, it is really sad because these persons will be chided as sellouts, black faces of white supremacy, et cetera, et cetera. And they would not be celebrated uh for their accomplishments because they were not part of the right political affiliation. And that, that is really sad. And think about this generation, especially those persons who have been greatly inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement and to see black people in high places of political uh, power and to have them spurned as sellouts because they're not Democrats. I think that it's a great injustice. And it shouldn't have anything to do with their political ideology or inclination, affiliation, or anything like that. I also think about um, Mark Robertson, who is the lieutenant governor of North Carolina. Now, he said some things recently that has really uh, brought the ire of certain uh, groups towards him, particularly on his views of those persons who identify as part of the LGBTQ plus community. And whether you, whether you agree with him or not, we still have to acknowledge the fact that this is, this is contrary to what the Black Lives Matter global movement was doing and saying and putting out there, you know, that we don't have political clout we don't have access to political fairness and all of this. And we, we, what we're seeing is that it's there. It's there. We, we saw great strides in 2018 when it came to not just blacks and people of color altogether at the federal level, but we also saw it at the local level in places like Birmingham and places like Montgomery, Alabama, Jackson, Mississippi, you know, uh, well, Jackson, Mississippi has always had black leadership. It's just younger. Uh, other places, even here in Mississippi, we still saw first, you know, first black mayors of predominantly uh, white communities in the Delta and in the very rural south, southern part of Mississippi. And, you know, these were great strides we celebrated because they were affiliated with the right party. Uh, but these persons are being cast out because largely because and, and ignore. And I read an article, uh, Fox News, 
and I don't usually read Fox News too much, but they read an article, and the article said that the primary, uh, the squad is what they're known in Congress, uh, minority women who were elected to Congress in 2018, um, and they were throwing their support behind, you know, candidates, whatever, but they've been mute on this particular win by Winston Sears, largely because she's not affiliated with them. And then think about, you know, how can we reconcile that? You know, if we're going to, either we are oppressed and unable to do anything, or we are not oppressed and we're able to do something. Now, let me clarify what I mean by oppression. Uh, Systemic oppression is one thing there that existed. We have to acknowledge there was systemic oppression and injustice in this country since its inception. There is no denying of that. Uh, we that's true. It's history. Uh, we have found as as a culture and as black people that we have managed to overcome all the oppression that we have experienced generation after generation through one, our faith and our collective identity as strong people. And um, we've managed to overcome. And now we see these persons rising through the ranks of a political party that is seen as racist, uh, bigots, you name it, whatever. And yet those persons were elected to a, the you know the highest positions in their states or in their cities because of that you know because they stood against oppression and went you know whatever they were experiencing uh, all of that the other thing about the the uh, Sears case that makes it interesting is Sears is an immigrant from Jamaica, served the country as a mili- in military as a Marine, uh, served in uh, the general, as a delegate in the General Assembly of Virginia, and is now uh, a the lieutenant governor-elect of Virginia. That's, you know, 20 years ago, that would have been celebrated in black communities. It wouldn't have mattered the political affiliation. It would have been celebrated. Uh, but we've gotten to this this point. It, it's sad, but it's reality. But I, I esteem commendations and congratulations to uh, to her for her win. Um, and they're saying this election in Virginia in particular, this nationalized state election, is a foreshadowing of what could occur in 2022 for the midterm elections. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's a shift. As always, every first-term president has a midterm election shift where Congress uh, shifts from one uh, party to another. That's not uncommon. And we see even when one party gains control after that shift, Still little has been done, particularly in the last three administrations. Very little got done. When Obama was 
elected. Uh, well, yeah, let's go back. When Bush was elected, uh, when Obama was elected, and when Trump was elected, uh, there were super majorities in their party. So when Obama got elected to mid-shift, uh, there was a super majority of Democrats. Um, what was that for his second term? I can't recall. I know his first term, the Tea Party started, uh, and that led to the midterm of 2010 shifting, but not enough to create a, a supermajority. But when Trump got into office, he had a supermajority, and their only focus was repealing Obamacare, which they did in the, on the House side, but couldn't accomplish on the Senate side. And it helped him only because when he got impeached, you know, <laughs> that was the benefit of his supermajority in Congress. And, of course, the 2018 midterm elections saw uh, uh, a shift in that. And as Biden has gotten elected, there was, you know, there's going to be a shift and probably will be a majority Republican. But if the pattern holds uh, those persons, once they get in, are not going to get much accomplished. Um, and I hope that they are out of this Trump syndrome. I hope by this time, 2022. But uh, we shall see. Anyway, I, I just wanted to do that quick analogy. And there were a couple of other things. Uh, I just escaped my mind. Uh, not long ago, but we'll get to that in a minute. I want to talk about the this week. It's been a it's been an interesting week, very interesting week. And uh, if you can see, <laughs> there's uh, quite some some unique pairings that have happened this week. And I, I, I'm going to try to get into it as much as, as I can. But let me start off with an article that I read from the Old Black Church. And um, if you're not familiar with the Old Black Church, that's a blog, uh, blog spot, Mazan Brock. Uh, she uh, posted on a site. <laughs> Pastor and theologian John Piper sparked criticism for the theology of ugliness, physical ugliness. And first, uh, you gotta be kidding. No, no, you know, this is this is a joke, right? But the article, and uh, if you're not familiar with Pastor John Piper, he's a renowned pastor, American pastor. He's uh, he's retired now, but he's coming to news. More recently, because his son, who is now identified as an atheist, is you know speaking out against not just his father but against um, church in general. But anyway, John Piper hosts a uh, a ministry that's called leads a ministry that's called Desiring God, and you know he has book, he has a radio broadcast, and he has a session where he answers questions. Uh, people writing questions to him, and he answers them from a biblical perspective. And 
one person wrote in a question about how they saw themselves. Uh, here is the article you can also find on past uh, churchleaders.com. Um, here, let me see if I can put up. Anyway, young lady uh, writes into the article, uh, writes to Piper and says that um, she is unattractive. She said, how can I accept the fact that God, though capable of making me beautiful or at least average looking, chose to create me in an unattractive manner? And this is how he responds. He says this. He said, uh, when I hear a question like this, it makes me groan, partly because I can count on three fingers, maybe less, the people who have ever called me ugly or handsome, Piper said. In other words, I groan because I know I'm being asked to speak to a sorrow that I've never tasted. And if anyone thinks this is not relevant for them, he goes on to say, uh, you may not start life ugly, but you may well spend the last year curled up in a fetal position, weighing 80 pounds, and wearing a diaper. So, <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I think this was a very difficult question to ask. One, because the person implies that God created her ugly. God created her unattractive. Or the person unattractive, I'm saying her, I'm reading into it as if it's a her. You know, she, the person uses the word beautiful. And I don't know too many men who use the term beautiful as an description of, of attraction. So that's why I'm using it. But anyway, uh, one, there is no biblical anywhere in scripture where it says that God creates ugly. The only thing we can justify when it comes to God creating human is that in the in Genesis account, uh, I think it's the first or second Genesis account, because there are two, if you're not familiar, there are two creation accounts in the first two chapters of Genesis, okay? And in, the, in one account, it says that God made us in his image, all right? So to imply that God created someone ugly or unattractive is to imply that God himself is unattractive. And, um, well, God is a spirit, so there's no physical attraction to him. Now, we, we've got the paintings from, you know, back in the day that depict God in various physical manifestations and the more the more prominent one that we see is this white-haired being, kind of beefed up, muscular being, reaching down his finger to touch man, who is also, uh, you know, that that was the ideal God and man creation, and that's what many people identify with God. You know, we ascribe God uh, human attributes. Of course, we find them in Scripture, but there are a lot of attributes ascribed to God in the Psalms. And in the words and writings of the prophets of the Old Testament that are simply there to help us better understand, you know, 
the entity itself, God itself. And I know for some Christians, y'all are not going to like the fact that I'm using this language, entity, him. Uh, you know, some of you want to stay, stick to the him and, you know, father in the patriarchal imagery. That's fine, you know, because that's how it is referred to in Scripture. But again, if we understand the same scripture to say that God is a spirit, those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, that there are no physical, direct physical attributes to him describing attraction. Okay. Now, when we get to talking about Jesus Christ, there's Old Testament references that describe him as unattractive, you know, uh, and there are no descriptions of him, no physical descriptors of him in the New Testament that we can, except for what is described in Revelation, where, you know, feet of bronze, all of that stuff, woolly hair. Uh, and most believe that to be more allegorical than an actual physical trait. So you can have your black Jesus, you can have your white Jesus, you can have your Asian Jesus. We built a trait of attraction and uh, what he should reflect based on our own identity. And unfortunately for most of us, it's always been a blue-eyed, blonde, brown-haired Jesus with long flowing hair, and, you know, that gentle glowing halo look around his face, standing at the door knocking. <laughs> That's the imagery we've gotten. But, you know, um, his response, you know, Pastor Piper's response to this, saying that it's something that he is, he has to sorrow. He's speaking, of, he's growing because he's speaking of a sorrow he's never experienced or he's never tasted. Um, you know, beauty as they say, it's only skin deep. Beauty is subjective. Attractiveness is subjective. And for this person to, to believe that God created her in, or this person in an unattractive manner, I believe is more psychological and subjective than reality. You know, because again, someone may be physically attracted to her, they, uh, that person that they may reject. You get what I'm saying? So the idea of God creating person in an unattractive manner is is grossly, grossly wrong. <laughs> and uh, the fact that uh, his, his theology of physical ugliness, he, he's stemming it from um, what Paul writes in Romans chapter Eight verse eighteen twenty three. Uh, this is what he says. I think the deepest answer to the question of why there is so much ugliness and deformity and injury and disability and misery in the world is found in that scripture. And he says it's subject to futility. That humanity is subjected to futility, and Christians are subjected to hope and for the redemption of their bodies in Jesus. And in this sense, that. Redemption of our body covers the whole waterfront of aging miseries, disease miseries, disability miseries, ugliness miseries. Ugliness and the disfigurement have their roots in the origin of human sin, um, and that 
the suffering person, uh, the, the origin of that is not their ugliness alone, but it's because it's affected the entire human race. And listen, this is what really got me. In his wisdom, God decreed that there would be physical manifestations of the horrors and outrage of sin against God. God brought the physical world, the bodily world, into sync correspondence with the moral world. In other words, in other words, what he is saying is, I'm trying not to laugh, physical ugliness and deformity and misery and ugliness is a result of sin and Satan. Okay. Sin and Satan. Now that's if you ascribe the idea of original sin. And um, <laughs> he says, Christ is better is uh, satisfied when we are satisfied as him. And even in our temporary ugliness. Now, it sounds good. I, I, I know he was trying to be well articulative of what, you know, what he was saying. And in other words, he's saying, describe your ugliness to you being in sin. And once you're redeemed and reconciled back to God through faith in Jesus Christ, you still retain that ugliness because you were still born in sin, shaped in iniquity. You can't get rid of it. And ultimately, the ugliness will be redeemed when we are fully redeemed, when Christ returns. We're at death. And this mortality puts out, puts on immortality and its corruption puts on incorruption. So eventually your ugliness will put on unugliness. And it is sad that um the way he responded and I don't like cloaking things like this in in um in text like that. You know, this is clearly a psychological issue. There's no spiritual uh, thing to that. To this, and, and I'm saying this, the best response probably would have been to uh, say, "Look, if you're having issues with your perception of your attraction and attractiveness to others, you should explore that with counseling. You know, what are the underlying issues? What are your family of origin issues that has led you to have this sense of unattractiveness?" such agree that you believe the Lord is the one has, that has brought you into this state of being. No one should feel that way. And there, there are a lot of persons born with physical deformities. We find it in scripture and there's nothing, you know, that justifies or we can, where we can say the scripture justifies that. Um, I, I can't find it. If I, if you all find it, please let me know. I'd love to, I'd love to know, but I, I know it's in scripture where persons were born with deformities. But uh, is it is it because God created that that way? And if it's if that is the case, then you have to question why God would do such a thing. But that's just me. Anyway, I thought that was just an interesting interesting thing I wanted to lead off with that because, you know, we try so as as preachers, uh we we're we try so hard to have answers for all kinds of questions, but sometimes the best answers 
I don't know. I don't have an answer. There is no way to do that. And to see how he crafted a response using scripture and using sin as that, again, puts the responsibility of that person's ugliness on God and that person. Anyway. <laughs> Y'all, that was something. Let me take a quick one. Well, no, let me go ahead and do this. Let's let's talk about this. Um Let's talk about this. On uh, recently, you all know that that uh, Kanye West, you know, he's been doing his Sunday service things. He started that back in 2019, and it was very successful. It turned out to be, I guess, his biggest gig of sorts because. You know, he it ended up touring across the the country, and people were fascinated by the fact that Kanye was having church. And eventually, he released a a um, Christian, I guess you should say, album, gospel album with that choir, and it was some great great song. Well, not his, but great songs off that. So he took a second shot at earlier this year with the release of his Donda album, which is had some chart-topping Christian, you know, it was chart-topping on the gospel album side. And, you know, he he did his thing with that. He was a bit eccentric in how he brought that project together. But um, since the release of Donda earlier this year, this year, just a few months back, actually, Kanye West has been seen. Well, at at I think at the initial release, he had Marilyn Manson and Justin Bieber. Then I believe Justin Bieber has a a song on the album. Anyway, Marilyn Manson, who you may be familiar with, back from the '90s, early 2000s, was this punk rock singer, pop singer, and had this distinct goth, deep goth look, you know, and I don't know what people thought about him. Of course, he took his name from Marilyn Monroe and Charlie Manson and put those together. But anyway, he was recently accused of sexual assault and some other things. Kanye West decided to bring him on for the Donda release, and now Kanye has started, he has done another Sunday service and he holds the Sunday service you know and guess who's there Marilyn Manson was presented as a special guest uh, now according to some people he's a self-proclaimed Satanist I don't know uh, but the article I'm reading from on um, the old black church uh, and churchleaders.com also it's insinuating the same thing. Uh, and so people are questioning Kanye's faith. Now, when you look at the article on the church leaders page, um, satanic, this is the headline, satanic musician uh, makes appearance at Kanye's Sunday service. <laughs> and yay of little faith. I like that. <laughs> yay. 
instead of ye a little faith, it's yay a little faith. <laughs> anyway, so now, you know, Kanye had Jay-Z, The Weeknd, and I love, oh, the, the song with The Weeknd on there was, I, I just loved it. But he has all these secular rap artists, Pop Smoke, The Weeknd, Roddy Rich, um, and so many, many more, of course. Um, he had Marilyn Manson on there. So Marilyn Manson, an article goes on to say American, Marilyn Manson uh, grew up attending his mother's Episcopal church, went to church school, um, and he basically uh, is outspoken about his hatred for Christianity. And they said that he was burning Bibles at his concerts. And in 2017, he released the album, Heaven Upside Down. The song includes lyrics. One song, Satan, includes lyrics. You say God, I say Satan, S-A-Y, the number 10. Okay. Anyway, so, oh, here's the other thing in this article. The the. 1994, the Church of Satan made Manson an honorary minister of their church for his real accomplishments at the time. He has also been, um, as I stated earlier, uh, the center of multiple sexual abuse allegations. He didn't say anything during the summer, summer, during the service. He was just there, taking in the experience. And some people are were saying that Kanye is influencing him. So anyway, the service took place on on Halloween night, which of course you know this was Sunday, was Sunday, and they had Mason, Manson, Bieber, and Yeezy all in white, um, and they. Were there? And, yeah. Every time I, I've seen this choir perform, you know, it just makes you wonder what what is Kanye's motive? What is he trying to do here? What is he trying to push? And it gives this not only this egalitarian sense of of the gospel music and the gospel itself, but this dystopian. You know, all Kanye is all about this dystopian future type of. Uh, presence from his clothing to his music and to again the appearance of the Sunday service choir all this dystopian dystopian sense of dress and presentation but anyway uh, he held it on a on a rooftop on an undisclosed location with only a selecting number of people but they sang all the songs um, from the album and from Donda, and I believe, if I'm reading correctly, um, Justin Bieber, Marilyn Manson, and uh, Wheezy, uh, Wheezy, not Wheezy, <laughs> Yeezy, <laughs> Kanye, they all uh, sang a the the hook to one of the songs from. Done the album, and you know, it's just the fact that. Oh, here's here's the thing. 
uh, Kanye did pray, and he prayed with uh, Justin Bieber and Marilyn Manson. I'm going to read to you exactly what he he prayed. He's prayed, thank you for your power, thank you for your grace, thank you for your peace, thank you for your forgiveness, thank you for the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, thank you for your majesty, thank you for the stars and the birds and the mountains and the valleys and the oceans. God, thank you for your people, thank you for your people, thank you for, thank you that you leave the 99 for the one. Thank you that you never leave or, or forsake us. Thank you that we could never be more loved than we are right now at this moment. In this moment, wrap us up in your love. Wrap us with your love. Show us who you are. Show us who you are. Show us who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this moment. I come against every lie of the enemy, any fear. We find it in the name of Jesus. Your name is above it all. The name of Jesus is above it all. We cast out any demonic activity that will try to steal our peace today, try to steal our joy. We welcome your presence today, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Now, that's, that's a very powerful prayer and you know it's like was he trying to imply if he was trying to imply that the presence of Marilyn Manson was not something demonic or satanic but it was a reconciling moment it was a moment of showing that God forgives God keeps us and even when we forsake him, he doesn't forsake us. Even if we make a song called, <laughs> I call, you call him God, I, you call God, I call Satan. <laughs> but it's just the fact that maybe Marilyn Manson is trying to uh, change his image. Maybe he's going to make the shift to something that's better branding for him in the midst of all it. You know, that's what usually happens to the celebrities. They can reimagine themselves. They can reinvent themselves. Uh, they're always going to have followers. They may not have the same followers, but they're always going to have followers. So it could be that Marilyn Manson is using this as in the same way that Kanye saw. You know, this literally changed the perception of Kanye. You know, he went from being a madman, uh, uh, a crazy man to to being um, a Christian man, a godly man, <laughs> and a presidential candidate. Uh, all of that is just I, I find it interesting that this is happening. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. So if you like, leave a comment and tell me what you think about this Marilyn Manson, Kanye West, uh, team, you know, is it a ploy to get Kanye? I mean, to get Marilyn Manson back in the uh, pop stream thing, or is it sincere? You know, we don't know, man. This 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 craziness, <laughs> we just don't know. Anyway, let me take a break real quick, and when we come back to the break, I got a wild breaking story that happened on this past Tuesday that I think is just. You, you just got to hear it. So we're going to take a break, and we're going to talk about QAnon and the craziness that happened on this past Tuesday. We'll be back right after this.
You may find it hard to believe, but at one point in your life, you're going to need access to reliable legal services. Legal issues can be confusing, complicated, and even a bit embarrassing. That's why I joined the family at Legal Shield. Legal Shield offers the most affordable, comprehensive legal coverage available. And for a small monthly fee, I have access to Legal Shield's personal plan that includes attorneys who will represent me and provide me advice, even draft and review documents on my behalf. Not only do they provide excellent legal service, but with their ID Shield, I'm also guaranteed protection from all fraud, including identity theft protection. Did I mention to you I have so many perks and benefits that come with being a member of Legal Shield? Yeah, that pretty much covered the plan by itself. For the last 45 years, Americans have trusted Legal Shield for all their legal needs, and I'm glad that I've joined them. So give them a call. Visit their website, www.legalshield.com. I'm telling you, you will be glad that you did. So if you're not aware, I am a very, very curious person. I'm always trying to learn new things. And um, so I recently learned about Skillshare, and it's opened up so many doors for me on learning how to be a better creative person. I've learned, I've taken classes on uh, creative writing, on my podcasting, on my YouTube videos, all of that. It has come in handy. And I would strongly recommend you, if you are trying to improve on any skill that you have and you want to go from being a hobby to uh, make it a pro, <laughs> I, I, I want to invite you to go to Skillshare.com. Uh, Skillshare.com is where you can go to learn all kinds of things. They have workshops on everything that you can imagine, photography, videography, uh, writing, anything that you can think of. You can find it on Skillshare, so and I'm telling you, you're gonna you're gonna really love it. It's it's worth every single moment, every single class, and you'll you'll love it. You'll greatly greatly enjoy it. Go check it out. Skillshare.com/slash/zero today radio. You're listening to Zero Today for Lorenzo Neal.
and welcome back to Zero of the Day. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Dio. And I am glad that you brought Robbery to join us for another episode and broadcast of the Zero Today radio show. If you haven't done so, go over to the Facebook page, Zero Network, like that page, listen to archive shows. And if you'll be so kind, go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal. Sign up for one of the tiers to become a patron and support the show and help us keep this thing going as we grow and glow and make it flow, if you know what I mean. <laughs> anyway, so Tuesday night, I was I was restless a bit. I couldn't really sleep. And it was one of the few times that I actually turned on the television and watched one of these late night shows. Um, I want to say it was Jimmy. Yeah, it was Jimmy Kimmel. So, and I was listening to his monologue, and, and he was talking about the race, the, the you know the political race. Just talked about a couple other things, and then he he talked about something that was just so crazy. I thought it was a joke. I really thought it was a joke. He talked about people who are diehard Q anon conspiracists flocking into downtown Dallas and Dealey Plaza where John F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, John F. Kennedy was shot and was assassinated, right? And uh, hundreds of these people gathered downtown in that space because they had been informed that on that day, on November the 2nd at 1230, that John F. Kennedy Jr. would show up and not only would he show up, but he would take his role as President Trump supporter, and then he would help President Trump get reinstated as President of the United States, and that he eventually, with Trump, would, you know, Trump would step aside and Kennedy Jr. would become the president, and Trump would become the king. Or of kings or something like that, and I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it until I saw it in the, the Washington Post. <laughs> the Washington Post article say why hundreds of QAnon supporters showed up in Dallas expecting JFK's Jr.'s return at the site overlooking where President John F. Kennedy was assassinated nearly six decades ago. Scores of QAnon believers outfitted with Trump Kennedy 2024 shirts, flags, and other merchandise grand gathered. They forecast the president's son, John F. Kennedy Jr., who has been dead for over 20 years. That's right. John F. Kennedy Jr. died in a plane crash. He, his wife, and another individual, they died in a plane crash. He was flying the plane. That happened in 1999. You know, that was a big to-do. But they believe that he did not die in a plane crash. They believe that he went into hiding and that behind the scenes was working on Trump's behalf. Now, Jesus. It said that they forecast the president's son, John F. Kennedy Jr., who has been dead for over 20 years, would appear at that spot, emerging from anonymity to become Donald Trump's vice president when the former president is reinstated. The prophecy foretold online, of course, did not come true. 
when 12.30 p.m. came, the time when Kennedy was shot, they recited the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> the crowd lingered for some more than an hour, eventually trinking away. A few vowing that Kennedy, known as John John, will reappear, would reappear at a Rolling Stone concert later that night. And, of course, those persons went to the Rolling Stones concert, and some reports said that they confused Keith Richards, the guitar player, as John F. Kennedy Jr. You cannot make this stuff up. You know, the whole this this whole QAnon thing, the conspiracies that initially said that um, the elites, um, the billionaires, and all of that were killing babies to drink their blood or do something I forgot. They were trafficking babies. They were trafficking humans. They were doing all of this uh, to maintain their self. You know, I remember growing up, people thought, they, you know, they were lizards. You know, President Clinton, President Bush, all, any imperial, you know, any, any, any uh, king or anything like that. Monarch was was a lizard, <laughs> and they were aliens and all this stuff. And Q took it to a whole different level, and and thus spawned the QAnon conspiracies that fueled much of the 2020, uh, well, yeah, 2020 election cycle. But prior to 2020, much of Trump's uh, presidency it fueled a lot of it and he he you know he loathed it and he really enjoyed it i don't know if loathe is the, the right word that's not the best word trump he 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 really enjoyed it because it, one it rallied people to his support so he had thousands and millions of people backing him based on conspiracy theories and he did not quell them he didn't care. It, it, was, it was working for him, so why would he quell them? He either denied or, well, in some cases, he actually bought into some of the conspiracy theory. And if you listen to some of his speeches and some of his uh, rallies where, as he was seeking re-election, he would tout some of those conspiracies to great applause. And we don't know whether he believed them or not, but he knew it was something the people enjoyed. It was something the people liked hearing. And whether we like it or not, Trump was one of the great uh, stump speakers, I see, of all time. There are probably some great ones, but we don't have audio of Theodore Roosevelt. We don't have audio of Abraham Lincoln on the stump. We don't have audio of some of the greatest orators of the 19th century. We don't have the audio. We have the manuscript, but we can't actually hear how they said it. But with Trump, we we could see and hear how he would make his stump speeches, and and it was just you know same way with President Obama. We could see and see and hear how he made his stump speeches that were very, very, very enthusiastic, charismatic, and all of that. But anyway, we this idea that these people were so caught up in. The idea that a man who has been dead for over 20 years would secretly be supporting Trump to get him reinstated. 
And, you know, I I have acquaintances who still believe that the election was rigged, that Trump uh, was robbed of the presidency, and that uh, Biden is not a legitimate president. I have acquaintances who believe that, and they are entitled to that belief. Some of that is fueled by conspiracies like this. But this is so far, so far out there that even the preparer, uh, the people who, who uh, Q, and put it this way, Q, who is alleged to have put this together, when asked if Jeff K. Jr. is dead, he replied, yeah. And yet, in spite of that, these people still believed that this would happen. I mean, they have, they had flags made. They had banners made. They had big posters made with Trump and Kennedy 2024. That's how serious that they took this. And a lot of these French QAnons are really, really want to believe that President Trump is going to take back the presidency. And I'm sure there are a lot of Americans who probably feel like, hey, Biden, you, you, you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And I know there are a lot of Americans who are probably not uh, happy with how this term is going right now, and we're still just in the first year. <laughs> we're just in the first year, and we're seeing gas prices. We're seeing inflation. We're seeing... <laughs> What else? Well, we're seeing hard-to-get items, all that stuff, shipping delays, all of that. And people are not happy. And I'm not sure if Trump returning to presidency will will help or just greatly (laughs) make that worse. I don't know. But you got to pray for people like this. You really have to pray um, because this is some serious – Issues, and I'm not calling these people uh, that they have a mental illness. They have a deep, deep belief. It's just as deep as your religious conviction. So it, it's it's sad that they believe that, but it's it's even worse that now it did not come to pass. What whether they put their faith in, what, you know, how would this affect them? I, I would hope that it would bring them back to this sense of reality. But then again, we are not living in, in a <laughs> we're not living in that world anymore. There's this sense a great derision and delusion that is happening that's causing a great schism and it's across the board and not just in political spectrum but in religion and everything. And um I'm hoping that it will soon come to resolution because we need to get – I'm not just talking about getting back to normal. We not. We need to get back to sanity. <laughs> I don't know what is triggering all of this, but uh, whatever is triggering, I, I sure hope that we get it out of our system. You know, I just want to go back to the days where we could laugh at everything that was – deemed funny to us and even if it was offensive to other people they still were able to laugh because it was funny 
I want to get to a sense of normalcy where we, you know, we knew what was happening. Black folk, we knew what we were experiencing and all about that. We could talk about it and, and act on it without it being intersectional. <laughs> I, I just want us to get back to this sense of normalcy that we used to have. Anyway. I hope you feel like I do. If you do, leave a comment and let me know. Let me know how you're feeling about all of this. Let me know if um, if you think we're just crazy, all of us. Every last single individual is crazy. But <laughs> what if you think, leave it in the comment, let me know, and we will talk about it. I like to talk, as you can tell. Anyway, that's it. That's my show. Appreciate you so much. Again, invite you to support us on Patreon. Go there, patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal. Do that. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Zero Network, um, Twitter, at Zero Radio. And listen to this podcast and other broadcasts of Zero Radio Show, Zero Today Radio Show, on all available platforms. Appreciate you so much. That is my show, and I'm out of here. Until next time. Remember, this is listener-supported. We appreciate all that you say and all that you do. Until then, take care. God bless.